Well, good evening, everyone. It's fantastic to see you. It's fantastic to see you in your bedrooms, in your kitchens, in your living rooms, with your families, with your friends, on your own, in the park, on the swings, on the bus. Lovely to see you two here, the studio audience. Uh, if you have been paying any attention this evening, or even if you're watching this later on uh, in the uh, week, you'll have noticed that we have had just a few technical glitches. And it's funny because the guys that are here, everyone here in the studio audience, you get to see and you get to feel the pain that we feel every single week. We've been doing this now for four months, five months, uh, six years, however long lockdown has been around for. And every time there's a challenge. And it makes you ask the question, why is it that we do this? Why do we put ourselves through this kind of pain? Why do we, week after week after week, go through the issue where we are experiencing uh, difficulties and problems and challenges. Why do we do that? Why do we open church up? Why do we try to push the thing forward? And the reason is that the church is a good news delivery system that transforms lives. And over the course of this um, series, We've been doing this whole look at what is the church for? You know, a hairdresser is there to cut hair. A pub is there to pull pints. A restaurant is there to serve food. What's the church for? Well, the church is the good news delivery system, that God is real, that he loves this world, that he has entered into our cosmos, that Jesus Christ lived for us, died for us, rose again from the dead, and that he is good and that he is God. And you need to understand that the, um, the good news that we are to do and to deliver, that's our one job. And last week, Kate talked about the fact that church is a family. And families, we love one another and uh, we're there for one another and we care for one another. And no matter whether we have difficulties or disputes, because your family, just like I can't get rid of my kids, they're right here uh, on the um, the, the, the technical stuff. In fact, can we give Isabel and Zoe a nice round of applause? And can I just check while I'm at it, because I feel anxious, is there a big white box around my face? No, I'm all good, that's good. So we talk about the good news, that's our one job, to tell people about the love of God, it transforms your life. And if you don't know Jesus, you need to know the good news. We talk about the fact it's a loving community. But there'll be some of you, you hear these things and you've heard and you've tracked with the series so far, and you say, well I get it, it's good news for everyone out there, and it's a family for when we have breakdowns in relationship, but what about me? What about me as an individual? And that's what I want to talk about this evening. I want to talk about the fact that church actually for us as individuals is a key part of how we become who we are supposed to be and how we do what we're supposed to do. Because there's one thing that I know about you, one thing that I know is true about you, it's true of the people here in this room, it's true of you watching uh, at home wherever you are, and it's true of me, it's true of all of us. We all want to be the hero. To be the hero, you wanna be the hero. You believe that you actually have something within you. And it's very easy for us to, to get that beaten out of us. We can sometimes feel that life crushes us down and the aspirations and the hopes that we have can sometimes be squeezed out of us. But everybody has that instinct as a very human thing to wanna be the hero of your own story. No one wants to be insignificant, right? 
You don't want to live a life that does not count. You don't want to live a life that doesn't make any sense. You don't want to live a life that doesn't do anything or mean anything. We want to touch people's lives for good. We want to leave the world in a better place than we found it. We want to, even if it's a modest thing, we want to do something heroic. What I want to talk about tonight is that business about being heroes. Because actually what we're going to find today is that the church is a good news factory. Church is a good news factory and it produces, sorry it's not a good news factory at all, oh Lord, it is a hero making factory. I'm thinking why isn't my daughter putting the, the, the words on? It's because I'm speaking nonsense. We've already said it's a good news delivery system but it's a hero making factory and I'm going to explain what that means but let me just track us back to the original commission that Jesus gives the people who he has asked to build church. We find that, we reference that in the first week, we find that in Matthew chapter 28. And at Matthew 28 it says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So Jesus says, I want you to make disciples. And making disciples is what the church does. It's part of our hero-making calling. Because when Jesus burst onto the scene, when Jesus came into the pages of the New Testament and just came across history, he was the hero. He was the people that people looked to, the person that people looked to. They saw him healing the sick. They saw him raising the dead. They saw him giving sight to the blind. They saw him confronting the religious hypocrisy of the day, coming up with magnificent teaching. And Jesus was the hero, but he didn't just keep it there with him. He said to a group of people, he said, I want to make you my disciples. You've all heard of the disciples. Everyone say, yes, Philip. Yes. You heard of the disciples. And sometimes if you're not used to church, you think, well, that's it. The disciples, the 12 disciples like James and John and Peter and Andrew. So what's the deal? The deal is that Jesus said, listen, I'm the hero and you can see that quite clearly about me, but I'm going to make you like me. And that's what a disciple is. A disciple is someone that is learning from the master. But it's not just that they're learning information, it's they're learning how to be that person. So if you study or if you used to study, if you remember studying, you go to the lecture theater, you don't necessarily want to be like your professor. You don't want to be like the guy giving the lecture. In most cases, that's really, really bad news. But you do want to know what they know. Or when you're at work and you're doing a kind of in-service training thing, you don't want to be like the person that HR has sent down. You, you, you may despise them, but you do know that you at least need to get a hold of the things that they are trying to give to you. That's a learner. But a disciple says, I want to be like the person that I am learning from and following. I want to live like them. I want to speak like them. I want to act like them. I want to move like them. They're a hero. I want to have my shot at being the hero too. When Jesus says, listen, I want you as the church to make disciples, he's giving church the very reason that we have to exist. We're a good news delivery system. We're a family where we love one another, but we make disciples. We make people what they're supposed to be. We create in them their destinies that they're looking for. So if you're here and you're thinking, I want to be a hero, then you need someone to help you along that way. 
And Jesus says to his disciples, now that I have made you disciples and I've taken you on, we've lived skin on skin, we've done life together. Now I want you to do the very same thing to other people that you find. I want you to do that for them. I want you to make disciples just as I made disciples of you. And we're going to just look for this next few moments at the two, probably the two most famous uh, people in the New Testament in terms of one discipling the other and helping the other one to become a hero. And those two people were Paul and Timothy. Everyone say Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy. Paul is the hero of the day, but he takes on this young guy called Timothy from uh, what is now modern-day Turkey, and he helps him to become the hero that he was supposed to be. I want to uh, just reference a few things that Paul wrote to Timothy, because we have today preserved for us an ancient document, two ancient documents. Actually, these were letters, private letters, that Paul wrote to Timothy. But they were so full of such good, helpful advice and principles that we really need to, um, to go back to them. So they were preserved for them. And in the book of 2 Timothy, Paul says this to Timothy. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. What Paul is doing for Timothy is what every single one of us needs. If you're going to succeed, if you're going to fulfill your potential. You need someone behind you. Everyone say, someone behind you. You need to have someone that comes alongside, someone that comes behind you to support you. And when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I pray for you constantly, night and day. And for Timothy, Paul was the guy that was there behind him, supporting him, coming and helping and putting his strength behind Timothy's strength, praying for him, being there for him, serving him. Just to give you a little bit of the backstory with Timothy. Timothy, as I said, he lived in uh, modern-day Turkey. He was in a little town called Lystra. Now, Lystra was a nowhere kind of place, but it is only significant because it's the kind of place that you had to go through in order to get to somewhere better. And Paul, around about 15 years after Jesus was crucified and rose again, Paul, who had previously been a Pharisee and an adversary against the whole Christian faith. He's converted when he sees the risen Lord Jesus. He becomes its greatest delivery system of good news. And Paul's going on this journey, this adventure, through the churches uh, around modern-day Turkey, as it is now, Asia Minor and Crete. And he leaves from Syria, and he goes on this long journey. And he has to pass through this town, Lystra, and he does some miracles. There's a guy that's lame from birth, and they, they see him raised again, Paul and Barnabas going in a, a, a kind of a team. They raise him up, he walks, the people in Lystra go crazy. Timothy's probably a young boy. He sees what's going on. And initially, the townsfolk, they say, Paul and Barnabas, they're gods, they worship them. And then when Paul and Barnabas try to just placate everybody and say, no, 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 we're just regular people. Jesus is the one you need to figure out. Then it all turns ugly. Paul is beaten half to death. And uh, it is just this really tough time. And yet they 
plant a church there. Three years later, Paul decides to go back. He's now with a new companion, a guy called Silas, and they go back uh, to just visit all the churches that they started three years ago. It's about AD 51 by now. And as they get to Lystra, Timothy is still there. Timothy, he had a Greek father and a Jewish mother, so he was from a mixed marriage. The Lystra was such a small, no-body place that they didn't even have a synagogue. There wasn't 10 male Jews in that place. So there was no synagogue. So Timothy was kind of this mixed marriage, half Jew, no synagogue, no real kind of Jewish presence in that place. But there's something about him. He's become a believer. His mother, his grandmother, they have become believers. They're part of this church that's spread out. And uh, Timothy, there's something about him, and so Paul takes him alongside him. He says, listen, I'm going to come behind you. I'm going to take you with me. I want to encourage you. I want to help you. I want to make you the hero that you could always be. And that's what mentoring does. When we mentor someone, we're basically coming behind them. Every single one of us, if we are to fulfill the dreams and potential that we have, you need to have someone who can mentor you, someone that can come behind you, that can support you, that can put their weight behind you. When I was 16 years old, uh, growing up in York, in Yorkshire, uh, I had this experience where there was this one guy. His name was Brian. Now, Brian was this incredible thing because I'm like 16 years old, 17 years old, something like that. But Brian was a student. And students were like, they were like golden gods to um, us uh, in the youth group when we were that kind of age. They were like descended from Olympus. They were like in that beautiful kind of overlapping part of the Venn diagram between full adult and cool. They managed to intersect. They were like full grown and yet still cool. They wore cool clothes. And Brian was like, he was part of this in crowd and that uh, they were super funky, trendy, cool guys. And I just kind of was a little bit in awe of them. And then one day, one day, Brian came to me and he said, Philip, I would like to get behind you. I would like to encourage you because we all need someone to encourage us. We need someone to get behind us if we're going to be the people that we want to be. It's not just about doing church work. It's not just about religious stuff. It's about how you are the best you at work. It's how you do relationships really, really well. It's how you make good choices, how you're good and excellent with your finances, how you're ethical, how you are held to account by somebody. And he just came alongside me and he said, look, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to help you. I'm going to support you. And so Brian, he took me to the cricket matches. He got me, weirdly enough, into um, progressive Scottish folk rock. And uh, it's a thing. And uh, I just dutifully, I bought all the albums and he gave me some of his and it was so cool. And even to this day, Jerry Rafferty sends a, 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 just a tingle down my spine. And he took me to Christian events, to like big camps. And I can remember my eyes are on stalks. I'm in this massive event with thousands of people, people my own. I didn't even know there were people my age who followed Jesus. He was a massive influence on my life because he got behind me. 
And that's what you need to be a hero. That's why when we look at films and we're inspired by films, we see Neo who becomes the one because he's helped by... Thank you, Hun. My wife said Morpheus. The rest of you, you just, you, you missed it. But that's why I married that woman. Because she knows her superhero mythology. She's had to. It's the only way she survived this marriage. But uh, Neo has Morpheus. Let's try another one. Uh, Frodo has... Sam. Sam. Sam carries his bag. He has Gandalf. Was it Sam that said Sam? No. Frodo has Gandalf. Luke Skywalker has... He has two, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he has Yoda. He has these guys that come alongside and say, look, this is your story, this is your quest, this is your journey, but we are going to make it possible. We're going to teach you everything that you need to know. And so Neo is in the, the kind of, what do they call it, that training program. Uh, with Morpheus and he's trained up I know Kung Fu and then he's taken into the real world and he's taken into the matrix world and he has someone saying these are the ropes let me show them to you this is what you need to be doing I'm here for you I'm supporting you I'm going to give you everything that you need you need to have someone behind you and that's what Paul was for Timothy and in my own life, I wouldn't be the man that I am today if I hadn't had mentors. I've had a number of mentors and, and still a number of people that I would consider that mentored me. I've got someone that mentors me. He's been mentoring me for the last 30 plus years. He prays for me every day. He prays for me more than I pray for me. Prays for my family more than I pray for my family. Because he's behind me. Because he's not wanting to keep me down or make sure that I don't outshine him. He just wants to push me forward. Make me the hero. Everyone needs that. Wouldn't you like to have that in your life? Someone that's behind you, that's pushing you, that's making you succeed. Making you fulfill your potential. Next thing that happens is that there's a kind of different relationship that uh, the, the mentoring takes on. Paul says to, in fact, he writes to the Corinthians, he says this. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And this means we need someone ahead of you. You need someone ahead of you. Everyone say, someone ahead of you. Say it on the bus or wherever you are right now, listening on headphones, someone ahead of you. You need someone ahead of you. And Paul says, this is how uh, mentoring, discipleship making works. Someone is just a little bit ahead of you. Now actually with Luke Skywalker and Yoda, it doesn't have to be the wise Yoda who's lived for 900 years or whatever it is, Matt Miles tell me. Um, it can just be someone that is a little bit further on the journey. Someone that has been a Christian for six months or a year or two more than you. But Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. It's not some pyramid scheme where everyone has their little kind of person that they're just selling down to. No, it's, it's this thing where we're all about Jesus. But if I've got someone ahead of me, I can just help them. I can be a model for them. And actually, we get into this word as well. When someone is ahead of me, when someone has got a little bit more mileage under their belt, it means that I've got this thing where it's called accountability. 
Everyone say accountability. Accountability. Now, accountability, again, it's not about someone saying, right, you've got to do what I say. You have no free will. I make all your decisions. I take your agency away from you. No, it's like I choose to allow someone else to speak into my life. I make myself accountable. I can remember when um, I first came to university here in Bristol. And uh, I came bursting onto the kind of the freshest scene with this whole thing about I want to tell as many people as I can about Jesus. And I, I just, I saw some great things in that first term. I saw a number of people become Christians. And I can just remember there's one particular instance after the first term and it was like Christmas time and it was all the parties and it was all kicking off in hall. And uh, I just got carried away. Uh, I had a couple of uh, people that I had been mentoring and discipling and uh, there were two people that had actually become Christians through me. Uh, two friends, there were two girls, they were both studying theology and uh, we were at this party and then coming back and actually I felt on this occasion I stepped over a line. I know I stepped over a line. It was not appropriate. It's certainly not the kind of thing that was part of my plan with uh, mentoring these two girls wasn't particularly horrendous, but I just felt utterly conscience-stricken. And I had someone that I could go to. I had someone a little bit ahead of me. Actually, we were kind of like peers. We were helping one another, but he was a couple years older. And I just remember going to him the next day, Chris, I'm knocking on his door. I need to talk to you. I need to confess, man. I stepped over a line. I did things and I feel shame and I feel like I might have blown it. I think I might have jeopardized the future of these girls. I, I just, I don't understand how I got into this situation. I think maybe things got to my head or I don't know what. And first of all, he laughed at me. He said, what, that that you're confessing? That's your big sin? I said, yeah, no, it, it is. And he says, listen, I get it, I understand. And uh, he just came alongside me and helped me and talked things through with me. But having someone that's a little bit ahead of you, it's a tragedy if you don't have anyone that you can confess your sin to. When you have made a mistake, when you've let yourself down, when you've failed to live up to the standard that you have for yourself, it's a tragedy if you don't have someone that you can say, hey, listen, hand up, I need to tell you some stuff. Because I don't want to go through life wearing a mask. I don't want to be that person that's a religious hypocrite. I don't want to have stuff that's buried and just stashed away in some back cupboard of my psyche. I want to be free. And that means I choose to make myself accountable to someone. People that mentor me in my life, I allow them to speak into my life. When I'm making big decisions, when I'm thinking about money, when I'm thinking about uh, things that you could say, well, it's no one else's business but mine. Actually, I choose to make it someone else's business because I'm looking for someone who's a little bit ahead of me. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Actually, for Timothy, this was kind of a big deal. It had huge ramifications for him because as soon as Timothy put himself in the hands of Paul and came under and made himself accountable to Paul in a way saying, you're ahead of me and I'm going to allow you to speak into my life. The first thing that Paul did was to have him circumcised. He said, listen, 
You are half Jewish, but your dad, who's by this time, he's passed away. He says, your dad never got you circumcised, so I'm going to do it for you. Can you imagine that? Now, uh, for the guys here in this room, everyone, Johnny's just started crossing his legs. Uh, you imagine showing up for your first mentoring session, and the person mentoring you brings out the bread knife and uh, says, right, drop down your, your, your shorts, and, and goes at it. This is something which is really quite invasive, quite intimate, and uh, brings a tear to your eye. And uh, yeah, the cameraman is nodding his head and has just lost focus. But this is what Timothy signed up for. He says, I- I'm going to put myself into someone else's leadership and, 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 and I'm going to allow them. Someone that I can trust because they're behind me, because they're praying for me, because they want the best for me, because they've got my intentions at heart. And yet I will allow myself to be led by them. And Paul says, listen, I'm going to take you with me. You're a little kid from Lystra, but I'm going to take you on the road. And we're going to do the missionary journeys together. And I'm going to be writing letters which will eventually become part of the canon of Scripture. And guess what? Your name is going to be on the front page. It's going to be a greeting from me, and it's going to be a greeting from you. And thousands of years from now, people will read about you. They will know who you are, and you're going to do great things things but the first thing is we got to get you match fit and right now you can't go into any synagogue because you're not being circumcised and if anyone checks I don't even know how that happens is there like spot checks or whatever but if anyone asks about it you'll cause offense and we just can't do the gospel work and so you don't need to do this you don't have to do this it's not part of your salvation but actually it's going to be really helpful if you want to go the places that I'm going to go because the disciple is doing the things that the person that's discipling them and mentoring them is already doing do what I do live as I live you need someone ahead of you. And then finally, just here's this little passage. And this is the passage that Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He says this, To the Philippians, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And the final thing is you need someone alongside you. Everyone say, someone alongside you. So when you're mentoring, when you're being mentored by someone, that person is under you, they're supporting you, they're coming behind you, they're throwing their weight behind you, they're vouching for you, they've got your back, they're your team. But they're also ahead of you. So they may have just a couple of years or a few months or it may be longer Uh, But they've got a little bit where they can just say, hey, I know that I've been there. I know what it's like to mess up. I know what it's like to get things wrong. And uh, I can just give you the comfort and know that you're going to be okay and that God is not going to just stop using you. Someone that's ahead of you, but someone that comes alongside you that says, look, this is how you do this stuff. And so Timothy literally becomes a son. And the Philippians, he says to the Philippians, he says, I'm sending Timothy to you because it's as good as sending me to you. I wish I could come, but there's the whole prison thing. And so I'm sending Timothy to you because if you get Timothy, you're getting me because I have taught him and I've instructed him. 
That's why within Metro, we take this as such a high value that we have a mentoring app. We, we just allow it, we use it for people to go through mentoring sessions together. Over 100 people in Metro go through mentoring. And it's got stuff that will not only give you the context to do life upon life and, and for people to pick you up when you're down and give you advice when you need it or just be a friend and a listening ear. But you've also got the ability for teaching, for instruction, to reflect on where you are, to set goals, to move forward so that you can achieve and attain your potential. Your potential. And so Timothy gets to learn how to preach like Paul preaches. And because Paul has been uh, this incredible hero, now Timothy gets to be the hero. Actually, Paul takes Lystra, this Lystra kid. Timothy, who's diffident and he's nervous and he's shy and he's way too young. And, and Paul says, don't let people look down on you. I've got you back. I'm behind you. Uh, I'm your guy and you're my guy. He, he takes him like a son. And he begins to teach him. He takes Timothy, he takes him out of Lystra, the place that was just on the way to somewhere else. And he lets him be the first church leader of Ephesus. Church history will tell you that Timothy was the first bishop of Ephesus. We just know that he was the leader of Ephesus. Ephesus, the big city, is like Paris crossed with Stonehenge because it was also a center of kind of cultish worship and pagan worship. So there's this kind of great, incredible place. You know, if they had Glastonbury in the first century, it would be in Ephesus. But they take him and they put him in Ephesus. And he's there in the church. He's leading the church. He's making it happen. And they are just able to see Timothy fulfill all the potential that he has in him. And then a funny thing happens. First of all, Paul starts talking about Timothy. So when he writes to the Corinthians, he says this. He says, for this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of the way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. He's my son. Everyone say, my son. He speaks to Timothy, first letter to Timothy. He says this, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Second letter to Timothy, he says, to Timothy, my dear son. And then this weird thing happens. He writes a letter to a guy called Philemon. And this guy, Philemon, when he writes the letter to him, he talks about Timothy and then he says, Let's have it up. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. In other words, Timothy goes from just being, hey, it's Paul's sidekick, it's Paul's kid, it's Paul's little project. No, it's now Timothy, our brother, who's leading the, one of the major churches in the early church in the first century. Timothy, who also, like Paul, gets to go to prison. He's arrested. He does his time. He earns his stripe. He has the respect of everybody around him. And Timothy becomes the hero. And Timothy begins to mentor others and pass it on to others. So here's the thing. Everyone needs to be mentored in order to fulfill their potential. Because you cannot learn any way better than by being mentored, apart from by mentoring others. 
Every Christian should be being mentored and mentoring others. Everyone needs to be a Paul and everyone needs to be a Timothy. Everyone needs to be a Luke Skywalker and everyone needs to be a... Yeah, in fact, Matt Miles is going to hate me for this, but Star Wars, there's a lot of rubbish things about it. It's just a fact. Uh, But, okay, we'll talk about it afterwards. Calm down. Stand down. Um, But one of the best things that they get right about it is that Luke Skywalker, he goes from being Luke Skywalker under Ben Kenobi, and he becomes Luke Skywalker, who's helping Rey, the special magic chosen one. And he does for her what's done for him. And that's what we get to do as church. This is why church is so amazing. And if you're not a Christian, if you're not a church person, if you're watching this, you're looking in, you gatecrash someone else's watch party, you just need to know that this is a place where you not only find Jesus, but you get to follow Jesus as well. That we want to help one another to follow Jesus, to be disciples, to be the hero, to be all that we were called and created to be. And you need to be your best self in business or in finance or in the arts or in politics or in the health sector or just in the community, raising family. Whatever it is that your hero journey takes you towards, you need people to help you get there and you need to be helping others. As we teach and give to others, we learn and grow ourselves. So here's the big idea. Let's get that up. Every disciple needs someone behind them, ahead of them, and alongside them. Being mentored and mentoring others makes you both hero and hero maker. And for those of you that are here or watching online, and you're thinking, do you know what, this sounds really great, I'd love to be mentored, then uh, I'd like to invite you to go to our website. The website is woodlandsmetro.com. Church, and you can find stuff uh, about mentoring, and you can find stuff about hubs. Normally, we have people going through mentoring who are already in a hub because you want to find Jesus, then you want to be in loving community, and then we want to take you further in your faith. Uh, I'd like to pray, but I just want to say, and this is to the guys in the room, and this is to the guys watching. I am so grateful to you. You know, you have put up with a lot. We have been just doing this live stuff to the best of our ability, but we're kind of flailing around sometimes, and Facebook can be kind of weird. Lockdown is weird. Everyone is zoomed out. Even meeting here is weird. I'm surrounded by all these people in masks. I look like I'm at some kind of Darth Vader convention. And yet, I'm so grateful that we are able to do church together because church is the hope of the world. We get to help people find the good news about Jesus. We build loving community. And then we help each other follow Jesus and become the heroes that we always wanted to be. Next week, Sam's going to come and show us how we can impact the city and serve the city and change our world around us because ultimately church is not for the benefit of its members but for those on the outside that need the love of God the most. But I want to pray for us and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those of us that are struggling. If you're finding it difficult right now, if you are really having issues with the lockdown, with the isolation, with the uncertainty, 
with the fear, with the loss, with the grieving, with all the things that we are challenged with right now. I want to pray that you would not be thrown off course from your hero journey, but that you'd have people that come behind you, ahead of you, come, come alongside you to teach you, to nurture you, to take your hand, to lead you through, to say, I believe in you. You got this. You're my son, you're my daughter, you're my brother, you're my sister. You're someone that I'm going to make the hero. You are the one and I'm going to help you get there. So let's pray together right now. Dear God, I pray for us. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us. I pray that you'd help us as, as Metro, as church, Lord, as we struggle through the challenges of the coronavirus. I want to pray for everyone that has been hit and is still suffering, struggling, grieving, hurting, questioning, confused. I pray, dear Father, that you would allow us in all of this tragedy, challenge, and upset to find you for ourselves. I pray that you'd be with us. And I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to make disciples. That the church would be a place where disciples are made, not just managed. Where we would create the heroes that you're looking for. Women and men that can change the world, that live up to everything that they want to. Would you help us, Lord God? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.